Hi, everyone. Welcome back for our Hungary preview. It is the last race before summer break, but don't worry. We're still going to have lots of fun content lined up for you over summer break. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at F1R the girls. And also we are on Twitter now. We're still getting a hang of how that works, but come find us on there too at F1R the girls. I'm Sarah. I'm Chessa. And I'm Tiggy. Hungary. So the track work began on the Hungara ring in 1985. And the first race was nine months later in 86. So the track was ostensibly built in just eight months, which is pretty crazy, probably a record, although I don't know for sure. It was the first race behind the Iron Curtain and Nelson Piquet in the Williams won that race, famously passing on the outside of Art and Senna's Lotus to take the lead. It's actually the longest running circuit on the F1 calendar apart from Monza, and its current contract runs through 2027, so it's not one of those races needing to hustle right now to keep its spot, and it's about 20 kilometers away from the beautiful Budapest. Yeah, this is one of the toughest and most technical races of the season for sure. The track has been criticized for being overly tight and windy, so very similar to that regard, hence the nickname Monaco Without Walls. So because of this, the track has had some modifications over the years to improve overtaking. They removed the, a chicane in 1989, and then they did a bigger rebuild in 2003. And another fun fact is that the Finns call this the Grand Prix of Finland. Given that they don't have a GP of their own, and they share a common ancestry, they often turn up in hordes at the Hungarian Grand Prix. So expect a lot of Botas supporters out there. It's a super fan-friendly track, which is fun. From most vantage points in the stands, you can see anywhere between 50 to 80% of the track since it's built in a valley. Um, But as we mentioned in our Track Tuesday post, it's not a good circuit for world championship (laughs) winners in the year of their title. Only 30% of the time does the eventual world champion that year win the Hungarian Grand Prix. So Sarah, so Sarah, this means I'm allowing you to say that Max could win this race as your hot take. Oh my gosh. Thank God. Thank you. (laughs) But it is a big track for maiden victories. Damon Hill, Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso, and Esteban Ocon all had their maiden wins here. Mick, are you coming through for us this weekend? And in a surprise to no one, Lewis has the most wins here with eight. It's going to be a busy weekend at the circuit with Formula 2, Formula 3, and W Series races here as well. We cannot wait. Some characteristics about the track. It's about 4.4 kilometers, 70 laps, only one DRS zone, and basically just one straight that leads into turn one. 14 turns, and because there are so few straights, people compare it to a karting circuit, teams like we mentioned, will likely favor Monaco-type setups with high downforce favored over straight-line speed. And lap record here is Lewis Hamilton from 2020. Yeah, the track is super interesting to me. It looks like an octopus. It's got all these different turns. So (laughs) hopefully we'll still see some good overtaking despite it being pretty hard to do. The race last year was insane. Just a hint, we had a maiden win, Latifi running in podium for a lot of the race, and then Lewis doing a restart completely alone on the grid. 
So it started as a wet race, and then there was chaos at turn one. This is the infamous turn one chaos event. Botas braked really late um, and rear-ended Lando, who then hit for stop-in, who suffered major damage but was able to continue. And then Botas also hit Checo, fully took him out of the race. Checo <laughs> called Botas an idiot um, in response, lol. And then in this whole tumble, Stroll also braked too late, collided with Leclerc, who then forced Danny into a spin. So what? in the end, he had six cars <laughs> DNF last year, five being from Botas wrecking everyone, and then Mazepin from a pit lane crash. So... Overall, it was definitely very chaotic. Also, <laughs> of course, last year it was so tense at this point between Red Bull and Mercedes. It was the first race after Silverstone, and then Botas just takes yeah. out both Red Bulls <laughs> on the first turn. Botas is like, it's my honorary Grand Prix as a Finn, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. <laughs> The race was red flagged, and but then the conditions started to get much drier. So every single car, except for Lewis, dove into the pit lane to get slicks, and so that required them to do a start from the pit lane. So Lewis was literally alone on the grid at the restart. So <laughs> there's so many funny photos of this. There was a full lights out and away we go of just Lewis, while everyone else drove out in a single file line from the pit lane. <laughs> But it was in this race was just so funny. Definitely watch this if you haven't watched this. But then it was immediately obvious this was a huge mistake because the track was dry. So Lewis immediately had to pit. And so after all this chaos, the race order was Ocon, Vettel, Latifi, Sonoda, Science. And Lewis <laughs> came out in last in a P14. So he was the last running car of the cars that hadn't DNF'd. Oh my gosh. I feel like this Lewis restart on his own is has to be symbolic of something in the sport, like Lewis out here all on his own, <laughs> breaking all these barriers. So Max had a lot of damage. He was stuck at the back the whole time, but Lewis, in classic fashion, started charging through the field. By lap 50, the running order was Ocon, Vettel, Sainz, Alonso, and then Hamilton. And in an epic Alonso moment, he knew he had to hold up Lewis to give Ocon a shot at hanging on to the win. Alonso kept Lewis behind him for 10 laps, with Lewis just trying so hard to overtake him. And back when Lewis was in the constructors winning car and the Alpine wasn't as good this past year. So it was pretty spicy. It was some amazing wheel-to-wheel driving, but Lewis, of course, accused Alonso on the radio of dangerous driving because he couldn't get past. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Criticized someone else. So Verstappen struggled to P10 at one point with his damaged car. Last year is a very good example of how single points can really matter for the end of the constructors and the drivers' championships. Like Verstappen getting elbows out with Mick and Silverstone this year when he had the damage. So to win the championship, you really need to make most of every bad day and the car damage and really try to eke out the points. So the race ended with Ocon and P1, which was his and Alpine's maiden win. He really deserved this, we think. He didn't just cruise to victory. Vettel was breathing down his neck for a lot of the race. So Vettel ended in P2. Then he was disqualified because they couldn't get an adequate fuel sample from his car. So then Lewis ended up P2 and signs in P3. And in a nice added bonus, both Williams finished in the points this race. This is the famous image of George crying. Um, it was his first ever point since he started with Williams in 2019. Best Aww. result in 2019. Yeah, team's best result in years. It's very happy for everyone. So what type of racing can we expect? It's really hot and dry here, so expect another scorcher. And this is random, but the track can be pretty dusty off the start, which can make things interesting. And as of the time we're recording this, there's a decent chance it may rain on Saturday for quality. So that would be a nice little 
spicy edition. As we said, it's a very technical track that requires a lot of precision from the drivers. There's barely any break time. I mean, as much as there can be a quote unquote break during an F1 race, um, (laughs) since there's only one real straight. So the drivers really just have to be banging out these turns the entire time. Definitely watch out for turn two. It's an overtaking zone if drivers can get a good run out of turn one. So drivers will sometimes push each other wide in turn two. Turn four is also fun. It's nearly a blind corner. And drivers really like the rapid fire twisty sector two. And so definitely expect this to be hot. It's really hot this time of year in Budapest. So a bit of an endurance race from the heat. So let's hope they <laughs> fixed Lewis's water bottle by now. Yes. Please. We'll see if he tries for the second time to drink in a race, but I hope it's working for him. The teams, Ferrari, conventional wisdom says that this track should favor them as a high downforce technical track like Monaco with the low speed corners and everything. We shall see. Last weekend in France, Ferrari was actually substantially faster than Red Bull in the twisty sections. So see if that that bodes well for them this weekend. Even Max thinks Ferrari will dominate here, although I'm not sure he has a lot to lose by saying so. He commented on Ferrari's very high levels of downforce. Mattia said that they're aiming for a 1-2 here. We shall see about that. They definitely need it if there's any hope for a Hail Mary attempt at the championship. And Mattia actually said that there's no reason Ferrari couldn't win the last 10 races, but that's a bit of a wild take and that's the hottest take. I love <laughs> Yeah. I mean, don't kill me, but at this rate, I could see them taking third in the constructors behind Mercedes. Mercedes really just needs one to two blowout races with Ferrari continuing their fumbles and it could be pretty close to equal. And just given the momentum and the trajectory right now, I, I don't know. I could see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. At this rate, I think I would bet on the Toto machine over Ferrari. I wonder if Mattia will get fired if Ferrari gets Ooh. P3 and constructors. Interesting. Oh my God. I've never even thought about that, but you guys could be right. So hopefully poor Charles has also recovered a little bit. The more videos and quotes that come out about the crash are just very sad. He said he just wanted to be alone at home until he had to get back on the plane to Budapest. Mm. He also said that he feels like he's driving at the highest level possible of his career, but he's just ruining it with these tiny little mistakes. So it must be very, very frustrating. So we know he loves to play classical piano. Was he playing like acoustic versions of Taylor Swift's saddest songs? <laughs> Ten minute version of All Too Well. Oh. If you know, you know. Was he just listening to his radio scream over oh. and over? So bad. In all seriousness, though, we are rooting for him to have a solid race, potentially a win, so he can just enjoy the summer break and sort of shake off France. Red Bull, the fact that there's only one real straight kind of hurts them, as we said. The fact that they're not Ferrari does help them, though, so maybe (laughs) it evens them out. I don't know. Theoretically, Max could not win another race this season and still win the title if he always got second and fastest lap, which is pretty crazy. That being said, Max admitted after the French GP that the gap he has really isn't reflective of the relative strength of the cars, which is... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's true, and it's kind of depressing that Ferrari has fumbled so bad over and over with arguably the best car, but I personally think, and this, you know, takes a lot for me to say, it's a further (laughs) testament just to how great a driver Max is. I mean, even though the car may not be as good as Ferrari's, although I do think that is debatable, 
it just shows how much it takes to beat him or even be near him at all. He's just pretty flawless as much as it may pay me to say it at times. <laughs> wow. I'm proud of you, Tiggy. Thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> I, of course, agree. <laughs> but I do think last race is a great example of how consistent of a driver he is at a really high level. Red Bull, though, is still working on their speed over one lap, which they see Ferrari having the upper hand on, which we've seen a lot in quali this season. And Checo has unfortunately been on the struggle bus a bit after his performance had been much closer to Max's earlier in the season. Critics say that the development of the Red Bull car has favored Max, but in reality, probably car development is just going to favor whatever is the fastest, and either Max adapts better to that or it just naturally suits his driving style more, and Checo hasn't adapted as well. But it's definitely sad that Checo hasn't been on the same form he was earlier in the season. Could not agree more. I'm hoping for big things from him this weekend. For Mercedes, they're definitely hoping for a win here. This is apparently one of Lewis's favorite races, so maybe the stars could align and we could see this epic Mercedes blowout race they really need. Obviously, Lewis has the lap record, the number of wins record, and we are expecting obviously the best from him. Plus, the team seemed to be in a great mood after their success at Paul Ricard. Lewis said that there is, quote, a lot to come from Mercedes. So very excited about this. Yeah, but I was I was seeing a sad fact, but true, is that Lewis now has the same number of podiums this season as Charles, which is wild. No way. Only five for both of them. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. Alpine. It was a maiden win, as we mentioned, for the team and for Ocon here last year. Probably a little too spicy to expect a repeat of that performance, but I hope that they're coming into this with some confidence, especially after Alonso's sixth-place finish last weekend, and that Alpine versus McLaren fight for P4 in Constructors is getting fun, especially since Alonso used to drive for McLaren, so that makes it extra fun. Alpine does seem to be better on race pace, and if Danny Ricardo does not get it together as soon as possible, it's looking like McLaren will be dethroned from their P4 from last year. Although, we won't speak too soon. Anything can happen. Haas, we are so excited. Haas is bringing their long-awaited major upgrade package this weekend. There's some rumor saying this is going to be huge, and it's going to be like a white Ferrari. So we'll see. Mm. I would be so (laughs) here for that. But they're only giving it to K-Mag for this race. The team says they just didn't have enough time to get a second kit prepared, especially since they were on the back foot after several big crashes earlier this season. And K-Mag's ahead in the Drivers' Championship, so the upgrade goes to him. But Mick is reportedly going to get it right after the August break. This will be their last upgrade, last and only upgrade. (laughs) And Steiner says they will switch to working on their 2023 car after this. In the race last year, Mick scored his season-best result of P12 during his rookie season. And so that is technically like third to last because it was a super (laughs) chaotic race. So he basically just finished. (laughs) But we will say it was one of his only chances last year to go wheel-to-wheel with other cars. He even fought Max for a bit. So he does have some legit racing experience on this track, which is good. He said that the team feels strong and he always likes this track. So I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling a good vibe for Haas this weekend. We'll see. I always hold a little bit of optimism in my heart for Mick every race, but it's growing for Hungary. So excited. For McLaren, they, basically Lando, have found some pace in quality, but they're still struggling a lot on the race pace. As we said, 
They're still neck and neck with Alpine, but the car seems to be looking really good after some recent upgrades. So definitely expect the battle to continue as they continue to extract performance from the car. Some other teams, AlphaTauri, it feels like they can't really quite pinpoint the issues with their car. Gasly is definitely frustrated after yet another no points weekend in France. Aston Martin has been sending some pretty strong vibes here that Vettel is ready to retire. Apparently, they've put an offer on the table for him for 2023, and Sir Seb has yet to sign. Ooh. So here we come, silly season. Wow. I don't know. I feel like he's going to stay. Maybe they're just, maybe he's just trying to get a better deal. Yeah, that's <laughs> very possible. Somewhere that like him bringing his kids to the track and then him dr- racing and driving all these old cars is like very indicative that he's going to retire. And I'm like, show me the data. That makes zero sense. <laughs> Bring your kids to the track does not mean you're getting soft and ready to retire. No, he's just a dad who can do it all, you know? Exactly. Couple of the last teams here. So Williams, apparently they changed Latifi's chassis recently and he feels way better and said that his season can properly start. <laughs> well, only a little bit over halfway through here, Latifi, but we'll see. Still no points for him this year. And you know we love an underdog. So we'll be cheering for him. Alfa Romeo frustrations continue with Botas saying he might as well have sat in the sauna and could have just gotten <laughs> as many points during the French Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, that's too good. The team seems a bit more hopeful that they'll be a little more competitive this weekend, even though they haven't brought major upgrades like some of the other teams. They do think the car will be well suited to the the circuit. In any event, Botas had another great week as the role model for supportive boyfriends everywhere by being his girlfriend's number one fan and videographer, water bottle filler, all of the above as she raced in the women's tour de France. Go Tiffany. We love that. So time for hot takes. I, even though Tiki's given me permission, I'm not going (laughs) to say a Max win. I actually am going to say a Charles win. As we all know, I'm a Max fan, but I do think a runaway championship just isn't as fun. And Charles was just too sad after <laughs> the last race. I hated to see that. And this really shouldn't be a hot take, but given the current shambles Ferrari is in, I'll count it as one. And for my actual hot take, I'm going to go with a Haas in the top five. Okay. Those are good. I'm also not going to say a Lewis win because he has dominated here. So theoretically, it's not a super hot take, but still he has not won yet. So it's debatable, but I will refrain. So I'm going to go with Alonso podium. And that's good. I'm also going to throw in there that Checo outperforms Max. I think it's time for Checo to redeem himself a bit here. And like Sarah said, a runaway championship is not as fun. Max is sitting a little too pretty with a 60 plus point gap. So let's make it interesting. Come on, Checo. For me, I'm going to say it's going to be like a top team underdog situation. So I also agree. I think Checo is going to do better than Max. Sadly, I do want signs to do better than Charles. Keep them coming. And then this is not a hot take for Tiggy, but it is a very hot take for me. I think Lewis is going to win. So <laughs> you would never hear okay. me say it, but I'm excited for this one. So with some quick news, it looks like Formula One is trying to switch to 100% sustainable fuel by 2026, which is pretty hefty given that today the cars only run on 10% renewable ethanol. The F1 chief technical officer said the outcome did look positive. They've been testing a lot of fuels. And what is super cool about this is that the fuel could not only be used in F1 cars, but potentially could be used in most road cars across the world. 
And also former F1 driver Daniel Kvyat, who Max took his seat at Red Bull, will be making the jump over to NASCAR. He's going to race with Team Hesseberg, and he'll be making his Cup Series debut this weekend. And in another fun turn of events, Checo is becoming the owner of his very own racing team, but in the powerboating space. <laughs> his team will be called Team Mexico. Love the originality here. In the UIM E1 World Championship, which is the world's first all-electric race boat championship and is started by the Formula E founder. That is fun. Okay, Checo, diversifying himself out here. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, so into our special section, and we are going to be talking about new floor rules. As we have talked a lot about earlier in the season, porpoising and bouncing have posed big problems for several teams this year. And if you have been following the news the past couple weeks, this has just been all over. So just a quick review or refresher on porpoising and bouncing. Porpoising has to do with how these new ground effect cars generate downforce from the airflow under the floor of the car. If the airflow stalls, the car can rapidly lose and gain downforce. So the car pretty violently moves up and down on the suspension and literally just bounces as it goes fast down a straight. On the other hand, bouncing or what some people call bottoming just refers to the fact that since the cars are run so low to the ground, if the track surface isn't smooth or there are little bumps, it can also cause bad bouncing from the floor hitting the track. But really, no matter the source, it's been a huge problem for some drivers, especially in Baku. Drivers were getting back injuries, other injuries. People were worried about concussion risks. And we saw Lewis, who was really actually pretty injured after Baku and that's when Mercedes started leading a charge to get the rules changed on safety grounds. A lot of drivers also publicly said that the situation was unsustainable. So big pushes for rule changes. Yeah, those those pushes for rule changes have been pretty controversial from the start because obviously the teams that managed to design their cars without the porpoising and bouncing problems or even just fix them as the season went on, they said that the teams that were struggling could just raise their ride height, obviously with the corresponding sacrifice in performance instead of forcing the rules on everyone else. So as such, it's mostly manifested as a Mercedes versus Red Bull and Ferrari, and at some points just Mercedes versus everyone else. So overall, there's two main issues here. One, there's going to be new rules implemented at Spa right after the August break, 
to help more immediately with the porpoising and associated safety issues. And then two, next season, there is also a big debate right now about whether there should be new 2023 rules around the ride height of the car. So the new rules being implemented at SPOT. This has been delayed several times, as, as we've mentioned in other episodes, but there's a new technical directive and it's going into effect at the Belgian Grand Prix held at SPA. This will be the first race back after August break. It was supposed to come into effect at the French Grand Prix. It got delayed. And we've talked about the new aerodynamic oscillation metric, AOM. This will basically set the maximum vertical movement that the cars can't exceed. Read, this is just going to restrict the amount of bouncing that's actually allowed. This is a big push to protect driver safety, and there will be a sensor in the car that will enforce this metric. But there's also another component to this, flexi floors. I'm sure you woke up today just dying to know <laughs> what a flexi floor is. So as part of the FAA's whole investigation into porpoising, the FAA found that some teams, reportedly Ferrari and Red Bull, no surprise there, have been exploiting some gray areas with the underfloor rules to run their cars in ways that weren't originally intended by the rules, even though they're technically legal under the plain text of the rules. So the FIA is going to clarify this. Weirdly, as you can see when there's big crashes and the cars end up upside down or sideways, F1 cars have thin wooden planks under the car that run from front to back. And this is to create an extra gap between the floor of the car and the ground for safety reasons. And there's rules on how much those wooden planks can wear away during a race. And this plank became relevant again this year due to the porpoising and bottoming problems. This wooden plank has just been waiting to become relevant for years. (laughs) But reportedly, Red Bull and Ferrari have rather generously interpreted the rules for this plank. And the planks have some portions that are more flexible than intended. Plus, the planks connected to the car using what's called a skid block. And Ferrari and Red Bull have also apparently created skid blocks that can move and get pushed up into the plank if the car hits the ground. So all of these shenanigans allow them to run the car closer to the ground, which creates more downforce, which is just key to performance in these cars. So the rules are being tightened up to help level the playing field. The skid blocks might not be addressed until the 2023 regulations, but it does seem that at Spa, the wooden planks are going to have to be stiffer and less flexible overall. Mm. And some commentators are thinking this could hurt Red Bull and Ferrari and really close the gap to Mercedes, but some commentators think it really won't make much of a difference at all. So this will be exciting to see. Yeah, it would not be F1 without generous interpretation of certain rules. But (laughs) this brings us all to the talk this week on the new 2023 floor regulations. So as we mentioned, in an effort to reduce the porpoising and the bottoming, the FIA has proposed a 25 millimeter lift of the floor edges and a few other things like raising the height of the diffuser throat under the floor But the caveat here is that normally a change in the 2023 regulations at this point would require eight teams to vote in favor because it's so late. And there are reports that at least six teams are strongly against the proposal. The reported status right now of teams for and against the changes. So in favor, we have Mercedes and McLaren. Against, we have Red Bull, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams. And unclear Alpine and Aston Martin, but we can probably assume that AlphaTauri will back Red Bull. Ferrari is reportedly ready to fight and appeal these rules, so I guess we'll see how that uh, pans out. The FIA could get around its failure to get eight teams in support by packaging it as a safety fix, which would not require the vote. 
Christian, of course, in his classic form, summed up how to, how a lot of critics, I think, feel about this. He said, I'd actually dispute it as a safety issue. It's down to the team, how it chooses to operate its car. You can remove the porpoising very easily, but that's at the sacrifice of performance. Hint, Mercedes. <laughs> Yeah, he also called on Mercedes to Sky Sports and said, quote, I think there's an awful lot of lobbying to change regulations significantly for next year so a certain team, read Mercedes, can run its car lower and benefit from the concept. And obviously he's complaining that it's very late point in the year to do this. The Mercedes trackside engineering director res- responded that there is actually no guarantee that the rule change would help them. But in that event, why are they even so pushing so hard for it? So anyways, we love Christian having his little offensive media campaign. Toto responded to all of this lobbying accusation saying lobbying is he not lobbying he sits in his office and doesn't call anyone um, but Christian is <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty late a lot of teams are already working behind the scenes on next year's car so it's late in the game to be throwing totally new floor rules at them especially for the teams that have already fixed their problems in other ways I have strong opinions here I'm very curious to hear what you all think. So at this point, Mercedes says they've basically fixed porpoising and they've definitely had some bouncing problems on certain tracks that aren't smooth like Baku, but there's no reason why they can't make track-specific adjustments or other changes to their car to fix bad bouncing on those tracks. And other teams have fixed these problems under the current regulation, so it's clearly possible. And I think the fact that majority of the teams and including not only Red Bull and Ferrari, but a bunch of teams at the back of the grid don't back Mercedes on this speaks for itself. And Toto actually made it a wild comment recently about how this season isn't as exciting because Red Bull and Ferrari are too far ahead. <laughs> I'm just Toto. I'm shocked. He let this come out of his mouth. It's like, dude, you won eight constructors in a row. <laughs> it just it feels to me like Mercedes is just being salty. They're not number one anymore and are just kind of grasping at straws a bit to take away what they perceive as a Ferrari and Red Bull advantage. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it's childish behavior, but it just seems a little bit silly that everyone else was kind of like jumping on the gun right away to fix the issues and that maybe Mercedes has just been waiting to do this lobbying, to do this fix that's going to help them and also like take away from other cars. So not sure why they're doing this. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree that that's exactly what Mercedes is doing and that the FIA should not cater to one team. But I also don't think there's a super credible moral high ground here for Red Bull or any other team for that matter. I I don't know. It's F1. Lobbying is really just part of the sport and always has been. Media blows it up. Red Bull did their fair share of lobbying when Mercedes was leading for the better part of a decade. It's what ultra competitive teams do when they're not winning. So I'm not That's saying true. That's a good point. I'm not saying it's right and it's annoying for any non Mercedes fan or other team right now, which I totally get. But I personally think Mercedes is being shameless in their transparency that they're grasping at straws. So I sort of feel like let the FIA make an informed decision and recognize that part of a principal's job description is to lobby to the point of making a fool out of yourself. And hopefully the FIA will come down on the right side because theoretically that's what they are there for. Yeah. If Christian understands anything, he understands the assignment of going on a media campaign. (laughs) Exactly. But I agree. I mean, Mercedes, like if all the other teams are not backing this and they've figured it out, like you guys should just figure it out. With that, we are so pumped for the Hungry Race this weekend, and we will be back for a recap and then off to silly season. Woohoo! 